part of your weekend right here on CBS Sports Radio. If you missed any part of the show up to this point, good news. Check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. That is where you can catch up on all four hours of this show. And also anytime I'm on CBS Sports Radio, those uh, shows are uploaded there as well in podcast form for your listening convenience. Again, check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. All right. For this hour, let's start with the NFL because, unfortunately, this week we learned two franchise quarterbacks out for the rest of the year. Earlier this week, Browns announced Deshaun Watson is done. On Friday, we learned Joe Burrow is now out as well. And when it comes to now these teams being contenders, you don't really think, oh, team with a backup quarterback. Yeah, they're not in the mix. They're not in the fray. Man, they're not a dangerous team. There is the one team with a backup quarterback that I think is not only making the playoffs, but is making a deep playoff run. And that's the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, I think, are built to withstand quarterback injuries. And so the loss of Deshaun Watson is going to be nowhere near as devastating as the loss of Joe Burrow into the Bengals, or the loss of Aaron Rodgers into the Jets. The Browns absolutely are still a dangerous team that, again, is making the playoffs. And I think once they get to the playoffs, absolutely can make a run to the AFC title game. They are not a quarterback-centric team. Or they have an elite defense. They have a great running game. They never this season relied on Deshaun Watson to win them games. But it wasn't like, okay, Deshaun, go out there. Go win us this game. It's on you. 300 yards, three touchdowns. Go make it happen. They've won games with great defense. They've won games with great rushing attacks. To his credit, they won that game last week against the Ravens. Deshaun Watson played the best half of football he's ever played as a Brown. But he's also missed time this year, and it's not like the Browns have hit the skids when he's not been under center. There have been four games this year that Watson has missed or hasn't finished. In those four games, the Browns are 2-2. Two and two. I know it didn't sound all that impressive, but within those four games, every team they played is right now currently either above 500 or better. They played the 49ers, the Ravens, Colts, Seahawks. 2-2 two and two in that stretch. They beat the 49ers. Very impressive win. And so they were able to compete and beat Good teams in the NFL with backup quarterbacks. With either Dorian Thompson-Robinson or P.J. Walker. So I have no reason to believe that a team that has played well without Watson now is all of a sudden going to go in the tubes. Not to mention, I mean, Deshaun Watson's not played that, that well anyway this year. 21st in passer rating. Averaging just 185 yards per game in the air. Seven touchdown passes. Like, it's not like he's lit up the other team every single week, you know? So you've had okay quarterback play anyway when he's been on the field for the most part. And now you take that away with a great defense and a great running game. I don't see the Browns really missing that much of a beat. And that's why I still think they're absolute viable contenders in the AFC. And the other reason is outside of just how well their team is built 
The other reason is, look at the AFC. It is nowhere near as deep and tough as we thought it was going to be in the preseason. Every team has warts. Like, who right now? If I told you, hey, so-and-so is playing the Browns in the playoffs, which team are you saying, oh, easy win for that other team? Blow out, the Browns have no chance. There is not one team in the AFC that you could say right now the Browns don't have a chance against. Chiefs can't score. Bengals just lost Joe Burrow. Jaguars and the Dolphins can't be good teams. Mark Andrews just left for um, for the Ravens, unfortunately. He's out for the rest of the year. Like, who's that team right now that is insurmountable? Who is that team in the AFC that is taking the world by fire, our world beaters, and invincible? There is none. And so you look around the AFC, not a tough conference so far. No one truly intimidates you. And if you're the Browns, you're not a quarterback-centric team. You are definitely built more like San Francisco where you can absorb quarterback injuries. I don't see why anyone should write the Browns off right now. And come playoff time, I don't see why anyone's going to think that they're just going to be a one-and-done and, and a pushover. They are good. They are talented. They are legit, whether it's Dorian Thompson-Robinson or whether it's P.J. Walker. So the Browns are very much alive. Bengals, dead. Vikings, I think they'll make the playoffs with Joshua Dobbs, but when it comes to actual playoff games, do I think they're going to win one? No, I do not. Jets are dead. Like, you look at teams with backup quarterbacks. Not many are in contention. None do I think are actual viable teams to win a playoff game, let alone multiple playoff games, outside of the Cleveland Browns. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Any of these teams, as we unfortunately found out two teams in the AFC this week, in the Browns and the Bengals, both lose their franchise quarterbacks for the rest of the year. Which team is the most dangerous team when it comes to making some noise in the playoffs while having a backup quarterback? Let's go to Cleveland. Larry is there. What's up, Larry? Hey, how's it going? How you doing, Ryan? We're chilling, man. How you doing? Great. I, you know something first of all about the Brownies, but um, I was talking about the division itself, how physical the division is, Ryan, in football. The AFC North definitely is. I mean, we're taking a beating here, all these teams here. And uh, there's quite a few uh, a lot of physical teams that we're going through. Um, first of all, it's about the, the system. You made a great point about the system. It, it, it's a quarterback-friendly running game system they have here in Cleveland. Great offensive line coach. Yep. That's line coach. And Coach Stefanski had all what he game plans also. And that made a great point. Um, first of all, Deshaun had a great game. I mean, it seems he's finally getting to that game against the Ravens. And we have saw a game like that in a long time coming back to victory. I just hope the young kid we have here, I mean, he uh, got overwhelmed the first time, I guess. What happened that game was he didn't know exactly until he was going to start until about, about 10, 30 in the morning or so. Right. And Look now he has a full week to prepare, which is good for him. And I like the young kid, too. I mean, don't, don't, it should be tough, man. The Steelers, I mean, I mean, hell, they're, they're banged up, too. But uh, that, that defense, that team's still – and Coach Tomlin, 
I tell you what, he's done a hell of a job there, too, what they've been going through. All these coaches here in the uh, division. but um, It's tough. Let me ask this, Lyra, really fast here. So what's your belief level? I'm guessing you're, you're a Browns fan, right? So, like, where, what are you looking at well, now? Well, I hate, well, I hate, I hate to say this, Ryan. I've been married for uh, 40 years. I'm married to a Pittsburgh Steelers fan from Pittsburgh, too. So, um, no. It's both ways, I guess. Larry. <laughs> what do you mean both yeah. ways? You root for the Steelers? Or are you a now well, full-blown my, Steelers my, my, fan? My, my, no, my wife's from uh, the Pittsburgh area. And a really good area where you can have a lot of good talent from the area. We both met, and um, we, we both uh, the kids too. So we're uh, kind of split a little bit. You know how it goes. So how many yeah. how many kids do you have, Larry? See, they're, they're grown, but we have about six grandchildren too. So they're Steeler and Brown fans too. So uh, what is there a majority, or is it fifty fifty in terms of fandom? Well, put this way, put this way. Uh, all over the last few years, when Pittsburgh's always been winning, so oh, they've been going no. on my wife's side here quite a bit. Oh, jeez, Larry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, maybe I, I know Dorian Thompson-Robinson can bring them to the good side. Well, i tell you what. I think he said he's prepared, right? I, he said he had a good week of practice. He said he started film down. I know you can say that stuff, right, an actual game. But I got. I think the kids are going to do pretty well. I, I really I think he will. Larry, I I'm with you. I got confidence in him. Hey, I'm rooting for you, man. This is going to be a big one here, a literal family affair for you. Best of luck, Larry. Not only winning at bragging rights over your wife, maybe convince some of your kids and grandkids, come over to your side. Come over to cheer for the Browns. That's a tough spot. I mean, I like to, I mean, I'm lucky my girlfriend doesn't really care that much about sports, so she'll take whatever side I root for. So I don't have to worry about split fandom. That is one nightmare I do have is that one day, if I do have kids, I guess really when I have kids, that they'll root for teams I don't root for. I won't be because, at least my girlfriend, at least right now, she's not a, she's not rooting against any teams I have. But boy, if they wake up and they are Ohio State fans and not Penn State fans, it's going to be, whew, it's going to be a rough, rough parenthood. That is for sure. Speaking of Brown Steelers, a big one in the AFC North, Adam's call from Pittsburgh. What's up, Adam? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Good morning. Good morning, man. Um, I'm going to say my piece and hang up to hear what you have to say so I don't do the rookie mistake of having the stereo play deal. I wouldn't hear you. Um, I say the need, Steelers need to get rid of Canada. I mean, oops, Canada. <laughs> and replace them with Will Effich as OC. Because just given there, he played with Tomlin. He knows the offense. Rooney, pay the money to Will Effich. Get him in. Let me ask you this, Adam. You're, you're on the scene there in Pittsburgh. It's so, that's yeah. a sentiment that everyone has been in agreement with, right? There, there, there's no opposition. Why hasn't uh, it happened? Well, that's what I, I don't know either. Just my opinion, like I said. Is it loyalty from Mike Tomlin? Is it a money thing? I say somewhat. Maybe right now, maybe it could be a money thing because just given, I say Leftwich could prove himself the way he is as of right now on OT. He could become a head coach somewhere. Now, why or not? I don't know, but I just know just, yeah, he has the potential of it, in my opinion. But you're the more expert than me, in my opinion. So I figured, get, see what your thoughts and comment on is. Then your dog issue, at the times when I lived in an apartment built, we had a, a, a number where we called and say, okay, hey, we had, I had this issue saying, okay, the thing's dripping or this or that deal. Right, or this the, the super. Um, I'll give that a call. 
and do and honestly and block your number and saying, hey, yeah, hey, this is happening with the dog. Get your friends to also call it. Get make it seem like a big time. Everybody in the building having an issue with it to go to that guy saying, hey, yeah, hey, we're having residents com- complaining about this. Can you please fix it? I say if it comes push to shove with that with the war, well, I say don on gear where hide your identity and mask and all that deal and put feces out in front of Jeez. his doorway. Jeez. So. Adam, I, I appreciate the passion there. Um, in case you missed it, so I live in an apartment building and someone in our apartment building walks their dog right in front of our, like, the door to the um, entrance to the actual entire apartment building there's only one exit and one entrance so everyone that lives in that apartment building is walking in and out the same way and that's the same door that this guy allowed his dog to go number one right in front of basically to kind of hop over in order to get in and out of the building so disrespectful couldn't believe it um when i saw it now i i want to feel some sort of satisfaction like i did it i kind of I feel like your way of basically hiding my number, calling the super, sounds very soft. I don't want to be soft. This is my problem. I noticed it myself. I don't know if others have noticed it as well and haven't said anything. I don't know if this is just a one-time thing. I'm assuming not, but I want to take care of this myself. I feel like a personal pride of resolving this situation, calling them out, trying to talk to them, you know, man-to-man. And explain why, hey, that's not right. That's, that's I think, that, that, that's what's going to happen. Now the only question is I got to catch him in the act. Again, that could be the trickier part. Brooklyn is calling from Arizona. Hello, Brooklyn. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Is it okay for my phone to be on speaker? Or no? uh, it's very hard to hear you, Brooklyn. So. Uh- Can you hear me now? That's so much better. Thank you. Okay. Hi, Ryan. I really like your show. And I was calling because of the dog situation that you're talking about at your apartment. And I I have a possible option and and solution for it that's non-confrontational and definitely not violent and that won't impact you at all. And I really think it'll work because I've done this before. And... um, and what that is, is because you have his address, um, that you can write him a short or long letter anonymously, just getting out everything that, you're, that, that you've been talking about, and, <clears throat> and then just mail it to him and maybe even include, oh, and there's a few other people at the apartments that feel the same way. And then when you do it anonymously, you send it and, you know, you get everything out that you want to say to him. But when you come home every day, you don't have, like the other caller was saying, an enemy there all the time. And I've used it, and it's worked in two different situations. But what do you think? <laughs> that is interesting. That is definitely a way, because that's also part of it. There's some suggestions that it's like you try to take the hidden approach. Our apartment building is small, and there's cameras, so it's very easy to find out if I drop a note. But putting it in the mailbox is fascinating. That's a good one, Brooke, I did not think of. I guess and it my show fear up on is camera or anything if there's a camera there, you know. That was, that's my fear is like if I do get found out, then I feel like it's like ten times more awkward that I went like this massive roundabout in order to avoid confrontation. Um, that that's the only thing I, I guess I'm fearful of is I feel like it's gonna be more awkward if I go 
some extra lengths to like mail a letter to my own building, essentially. Um, and then he eventually finds out who it is. Um, but John, is it I guess done I anonymous? I'm sorry, excuse me. No, you're good. You're good. It would if be anonymous. It's done anonymously, I would not put a... There really isn't a way he can find out, you know. And because I've done, I've tried the first way where I went and confronted a person, like um, in a, 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 I was in a, living in a townhome, so across the street, the guy was building these. Um, building cars and making a lot of noise. So I thought, I'll just nicely tell him, well, I kind of had an enemy for the rest of the time there, you mm. know? And then uh, my next situation, I only had one other situation with a dog that that happened and I did it anonymously and they took care of it. You know, it never happened again. Interesting. Okay. So Maybe I'm think? underestimating like the enemy part. Like, I guess, like, I feel like I'm so in the right that it's like, this guy can't be mad, but people are psychotic. To put it nicely. And so thank you for the suggestion, Brooklyn. That's absolutely, that's, that is easily the best suggestion we have had. And more, most practical, we'll say most practical solution we have had to solving, um, solving having, we'll say a clear walkway for not just myself, because I'm, I, I am not selfish. I am selfless. So having a clear walkway for everyone else in the building to keep on walking through. The voice you just heard was the voice of Dorian Thompson Robinson, the new Browns starting quarterback because Deshaun Watson is out for the year. And you look at the list of quarterbacks out for the year. Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, Daniel Jones, Anthony Richardson, six at least week one starters, most cases, franchise quarterbacks out for the year with various injuries. And for most of these teams outside of the Browns, their season is over. Bengals are done. Jets are going nowhere. Vikings, I think, will make the playoffs, but not be any sort of threats in, uh, once they make the playoffs. Giants stink. Colts, not going to make the playoffs. So it's like you look at these teams, and for the most part, their season is over. Their expectations for the preseason are gone, dead. And I think more teams should mimic what the Browns and the 49ers do. Meaning, de-emphasize the quarterback position. With these escalating salaries... And now quarterbacks getting 50. I'm sure it's going to be soon $60 million a year. You can't afford to have a good backup quarterback. And if that quarterback gets hurt, the starter, you have no real way to get a you know better, better situation, you know, better option. But also, too, you can't spend enough money to make sure that, hey, if the quarterback goes down, we're still good enough around him to where we can absorb the loss. And that's why I think this specific NFL season with so many injuries should have teams reevaluate how they spend money and where they spend the big money. For teams like the Chiefs and the Bengals, right, with Mahomes and Burrow, you're obviously keeping them. But for a lot of these teams in the middle, it's like, do we, you know, should we try to go after and trade and or pay an average quarterback? I would say no. Do what the 49ers do. Pay everyone. Pay elite players Everywhere but quarterback, defensive line, linebacker, secondary, receiver, running back, tight ends, offensive line. 
pay everyone. Go cheap at quarterback. They went through three quarterbacks last year. Well, they really went through five quarterbacks. Right? Trey Lance, Jimmy G, Brock Purdy. They had Josh Johnson coming in. You're down. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, hell, was the final quarterback for this team in the NFC title game. They went through really five quarterbacks um, last year and still were in the NFC title game in part because they de-emphasized the quarterback position so they were talented enough to where whoever they put in, you're not asking a lot of that quarterback. So you could survive when Trey Lance goes down and then Jimmy G goes down and you're relying on your third-string quarterback to get you to the NFC title game. That's anything but crazy. I think more teams should adopt that philosophy. Get elite players, continue to collect elite talents, and go cheap a quarterback. So that's, if you do get an injury, especially in a big season, your year is not lost. It's not a wash. You can survive and still win. So I think this year should make teams, some teams, reevaluate how they spend their money and where they spend it. Again, Big names, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, all out for the rest of the season. Outside of the Browns, those teams, their seasons, done. I think a a philosophy change should happen here, and it shouldn't just be every team, well, we got to draft a quarterback high. We got to hope this is the guy. And then give him $60 million, put not a lot of pieces around him after that, and then just hope he stays healthy. That seems like a um, a philosophy that is not wise. That could backfire more as we go along. All right, it is Ryan Hickey right here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. All four hours of this show and every show. I host right here on CBS Sports Radio on that feed. As a reminder, this portion of the show is brought to you by who else but Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare and want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. It is Ryan Hickey here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome. Happy Saturday. Appreciate you making us a part of your weekend right here or else but CBS Sports Radio. Let's quickly get into the game of the year so far in the NFL. Eagles, Chiefs, Monday Night Football. I think this is the biggest game of the Patrick Mahomes era in the regular season. So the biggest regular season game in the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs era. And it's not a big game for Mahomes. It's a big game for the Chiefs. Because this offense, for the first time in a long time, has something to prove. They have something to prove. They have not earned this season the benefit of the doubt. Because we're not talking about Mahomes having to prove it, or Kelsey having to prove it, or Andy Reid having to prove it. It's everybody else around them. Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, Jarek McKinnon, You name it, these have been disappointing players so far this season. And in a big matchup like this, I think the Chiefs really have to show that they are able to score on playoff caliber teams. 
Because if they can't score, which they have not done so far this season, I don't see how you can go into the playoffs and feel strongly that Kansas City is going to the Super Bowl. Even in, right now, a weak and diminished AFC with Burrow out and Deshaun Watson out, along with Aaron Rodgers, so like three big-time quarterbacks, we thought the Chiefs would have to face um, at some point, now all on the shelf, still. This offense doesn't have you feel com- uh, feeling confident that they are good enough to take the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. They got to prove it. And I don't think that we can believe that this offense is going to turn it around this year until we actually see it. And that's why I think Monday night is so big. Elite opponent. Big time stage. This is your chance to silence all doubts if you're the Chiefs offense. Because they've not been good this year so far. They have not been good. And 11 weeks is enough time to say, it's time to get worried. This is an offense that's averaging 23 points per game. 13th in the NFL. They were first last year. They're eighth in total offense. They're also first last year. So even though this is now year two for Tyree Kill, the first year in 2022, they were way more ready and got way more contributions from players than they're getting this year. And so the questions, I think, around Mahomes, around Kelsey, around Reed are valid. And I don't think right now that trio, those three alone, can carry this Chiefs offense to the Super Bowl. I don't. Just like last year, they're going to need contributions elsewhere. And they got that in the form of Juju Smith-Schuster, who had almost 1,000 yards. Got that in the form of Jarek McKinnon, who had nine receiving touchdowns and was a big-time threat out of the backfield. They're getting none of those contributions so far this year. Rasheed Rice has been a nice story. He's also just a rookie receiver. That's a lot to put on his plate of, hey, buddy, come in here, be a 1,000-yard receiver, and make some big-time catches in some big-time games to help us get to the Super Bowl. I don't think it's realistic to ask that of a rookie. Juju was that guy last year. MVS had a solid year as well last year, took a step back so far this year. Not been as effective. Kansas City and their offense has something to prove on Monday night. And that's why I think this is not hyperbole to say this is the most important game, regular season game. This is the most important regular season game they are playing in the Patrick Mahomes era. They got to prove it. They got to show it. And if they can't, Tuesday morning, I promise you, I guarantee you, There's going to be questions, there's going to be concerns, and there's going to be doubts. Big-time doubts of how good this Kansas City offense is and if they are holding them back from making a run to the Super Bowl. Big game here. Big game for the Chiefs offense to quell doubts or provide more question marks as we do get closer and closer to the postseason. But there's no doubt about it for me. There's more pressure on the Chiefs than there is the Eagles. Specifically, there's way more pressure on this Chiefs offense to show up and show out. This is the fifth playoff team they're playing this year. They played four other teams right now currently holding a playoff spot. 
Lions, Jaguars, Dolphins, Vikings. In those four games, they're averaging just 19.5 points per game. So they're already averaging a touchdown less per game this year compared to last year. And even then, it's almost 10 points less this year compared to last year when you talk about the Chiefs playing playoff teams. That's a concern. And that's a reason why you should not give them right now the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their ability to play well in the postseason and play well enough to get this team to the Super Bowl and win it. They got to show you. Specifically, the weapons around Mahomes and Kelsey. They got to step up and show you they are good enough to win these big games. Right now, they haven't. And that's why I don't think at this very moment they can. And I don't think they will on Monday either. I think the Eagles are winning that game. Philly is going into Arrowhead and coming out victorious. And we're going to hear more questions and more concerns about this Chiefs offense after that game than we have even up to this point. Big game for Kansas City. There's a lot of pressure on them for their offense to get back to normal here and look explosive for the first time this season. Has it happened really outside of that Bears game? Which, Bears? They got to come through, though. They got to step up and make some plays. 855-212-4227. Speaking of stepping up, we're also talking about earlier in this hour the future of Jim Harbaugh. I think he's stepping up and stepping out. I think the news we got on Friday of a Michigan assistant coach, Chris Partridge, getting fired for in part destroying evidence about the sign stealing by Connor Stallions, I think leads me to the conclusion there is no way Jim Harbaugh is coaching Michigan next year. No way. NCAA is continuing their investigation. More facts are going to come out. Michigan was sloppy with how they handled us in the first place. I refuse to believe that there is not a smoking gun that links Harbaugh to the cheating. Now, I can't tell you right now how he's going to leave because I also doubt that. I think the NFL, by the way, is overblown. People always say, oh, he's just going to go to the NFL. He's tried to go to the NFL the last two years. They didn't want him. So I can't, you, no one can sit here and assume if he wants to go to the NFL, it's there. He tried to go to the Vikings. They didn't hire him. He tried to go to the Broncos. They didn't hire him. He tried to go to the Panthers. They didn't even have a discussion. He's tried to make the jump back to the NFL. They haven't wanted him. So the NFL is not a guarantee. But whether it is the NFL, whether it's a suspension, whether he's fired, whether he resigns, however the ending is, I don't see how he is coaching in any capacity the University of Michigan in 2024. More details will continue to come out, and I think that the details will show a direct connection between Connor Stallions and Jim Harbaugh. Doug is in Atlanta with some thoughts. What's up, Doug? Hey, Ryan, thanks for taking my call, man. Thanks um, for making it. I just got I got two things. If uh, if Brady wanted to come out of retirement, he goes to the Browns, they win the Super Bowl. I mean, it, that's Super Bowl. Browns got the best. Oh, yeah, Browns got the best defense, got a great offensive line. 
that's the Brady's perfect opportunity, you know, to win another Super Bowl. I mean, he's already shown he's the best. Look at Belichick. They can't do nothing without him. I mean, McDaniels, he's a bust as well. Yeah. And then my second thing is about is about Harbaugh. I just think it's silly about the about the rules. I know they're talking about the sportsmanship, but just change your just change your calls. Just change your you know. I mean, do different papers, do different whatever. It's just Jim Harbaugh is good for Michigan. I'm an Auburn fan, so War Eagle. But <laughs> it, for in college football, we need we need Harbaugh at Michigan because trust me, I was I was a hater of him for what seven years. He didn't do nothing. I was like, man, they need to fire this guy. <laughs> but he's done brought that program back to back. Look where they are now. I mean, you know, it's just it's just silly though with this, you, you know, with this, with these rules and all about the. I mean, who cares? I mean, I, I don't care. I mean, just step up your program. If you know, quit quit whining about it and just step up your program and make it happen. I hear you, Doug. Hey, appreciate the call, buddy. Thanks for making it. Um... For those that listen, look, I'm not going to rehash my thoughts on the exact cheating. If you missed it, just go back to any podcast from the last three weeks. I have given my full-fledged opinion on why I think this is a big deal um, and why I, I do think the rules, you know, should be like why Michigan should be severely punished. But I'll save you that for another time. Again, it's been well-documented. Any podcast, go back, check it out, listen to it. It's right there. But I did, I like your point. I want to talk about more, Doug, is Jim Harbaugh being good for college football. You are a million percent right about that. And that's what bothers me about some of this discussion about Michigan and why they're being investigated when they were doing this whole BS victim card uh, they were playing the last few weeks. Michigan being good is great for college football. Jim Harbaugh being relevant and winning is great for college football. His personality is what college football needs. It is great for the sport. Too many coaches are buttoned up. Too many coaches give coach speak. Too many coaches are not polarizing, are boring. They give you nothing. Jim Harbaugh brings eyeballs to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh brings eyeballs to college football. I think he should be severely punished, personally, because I think the rules he, he, he broke greatly impacted the integrity of the game. And overstepped any, if you want to call everyone cheating, and he greatly overstepped those blurred lines of cheating. But with that said, I, in a way, don't want to see Harbaugh leave college football because that's someone that college football needs. Like, the players come and go, right? They're there three or four years and they're gone. The coaches are the ones that stay. The coaches are the ones that are, you know, that we as fans gravitate to, that we hate, that we love, that we defend, that we criticize. Like, they are basically the program. They are essentially the franchise quarterback in the NFL equivalent. And Jim Harbaugh, again, is a is a guy that is a character. He's funny. He says crazy things. He loves history. He drinks milk with a stick. It's weird as hell. But you know what? It gets people talking. I think college football needs more coaches not even letting their guard down, just being themselves. Like, not putting on an act. Like, as a Penn State fan, I'll say. James Franklin does feel like a salesman most times. Like, where he's putting on an act. Where he's not truly expressing his thoughts. Now, I think he has gotten more honest as he's gotten more, you know, more established and more comfortable at Penn State. But it still feels like it's, like, something of a little bit like, this is not what I feel, but this is what I think will sound good. 
There's not a lot of genuineness in college football, especially with coaching. Jim Harbaugh is one of those guys. And I want him, to, like, it's good for the sport. So that's one thing the Michigan fans trying to claim, like, this is a witch hunt, and oh, now we're good, so now you're coming after us because no way they can be this good without cheating. No, no, that's not it. Because Michigan being good is great for college football, and Jim Harbaugh being relevant is great for college football. They're not going to bite the hand that feeds them by trying to tear them down when they have brought a lot of eyeballs to the set. And I guarantee you, Will sets bare minimum this year a viewership record when Michigan and Ohio State play next Saturday. I guarantee, bare minimum, record viewership-wise for this year. It will probably be one of the, one of the most-watched games in college football broadcast TV history. In part, because of this sign-stealing scandal. Because of the suspension. Because people want to see, is Michigan good because they cheated or they're just flat-out good? That game is going to do monster numbers next week. I don't think the NCAA, again, is investigating if they didn't feel actually something was there substantially, but I don't think they're dumb enough to bite, bite the hand that feeds them. That is the juggernaut of Michigan. All right, that is unfortunately music, which means we are done here for this Saturday edition of Hick at Night. Thank you to Alex, who did a great job producing. As a scheduling reminder, next Saturday, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern, that is what I'll be hosting after Ohio State Michigan give you all the reaction. So have a great Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Enjoy the holiday. I'll talk to you next Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern, right here, CBS Sports Radio.